Hello, everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. My name is Joe Lowry, and I'm joined, as always, by the Ohio... Oh, shoot, not the Ohio State. The Jordan Angeli. Jordan, <laughs> that was a terrible, terrible attempt at humor in the intro. How are you? I loved it. I loved it. Um, I'm doing well. How are you, Joe? I'm quite well, thank you. It's been a busy last little while for both of us, really. I mean, you're I always busy. Like, I'm always busy. But I feel like I talked to you a few times. and <laughs> okay. I'm like, wait, it's only been a week since we last talked? Our no. worlds have collided in another way with uh, you and I and Taylor Rockwell doing the U.S. Women's National Team Review shows over with the Total Soccer Show in that feed. Go check those shows out. They've been a ton of fun. I've really enjoyed doing them. It's fun to watch the the women's national team games as well, and it was good to see them rebound after that opening loss to Sweden. But we're not here, Jordan, to talk about national teams, even though we've both been doing some of that recently. We're here to talk about MLS, and more specifically, we're here to talk about players in MLS who have caught our eye, maybe players that aren't getting enough credit or players that are still getting credit, but we want to talk about why Jordan, we've each come in with a short list of guys that we wanted to talk about. And I think there might be some overlap, but I'm going to kindly invite you to give one of your players first. Well, should I go with the one that I think that we both are overlapping sure, in? Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this this show, I feel like we haven't talked a lot about this player, and it's important. I mean, we have in the past, but if it's the same player that you are thinking of, I think Carlos Hill needs to be spoken mm. about because... He has been just out, out, absolutely outstanding this year in Major League Soccer, and I think we need to talk about why. So that's not a player I have on oh. my list, but I fully support yeah. any and all Carles Hill propaganda. He is, I mean, I wrote a piece on him, shoot, when was that? Five, six weeks into the season for MLS about how he was just this dominant playmaker, and he still is. He is mm-hmm. what makes... This revolution team tick, but I, I'm stealing your thunder. I want to hear more about why you picked Carles Hill for this list. Well, I just, I felt like we hadn't talked about him. Hmm. So when we had this type of show, I thought that this would be a good time to talk about him because he does have 13 assists already in this season. Crazy. And this is, you know, uh, could potentially be one of those record breaking gears when it comes to the amount of assists that Carlos Hill could potentially produce, especially with the Revs and how high-flying they are, especially with um, getting a few more of their big goal scorers on feeling confident and scoring goals a lot more often. Um, he's just a really intelligent player, and I think we have talked about these number 10s in Major League Soccer, especially especially playing in um, a 4-2-3-1 or... I would say that's what the Rebs t- typically mostly. play. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, they they're mostly playing a four two three one, and he's playing in that ten spot. But when you're watching Carlos Hill, one of the reasons why he's so effective is because he's not afraid to get the ball all the way back, almost in line with the defense where an outside back would get the ball. He's not afraid to get the ball in behind the back line and push the back line and try to thread a seam. I feel like his ability to feel a game and read a game has allowed him to. One, now all these players around him have played with him for a good amount of time and they understand his movement patterns and they can really move off of him and vice versa. He can move off of the players around him. He is just in such a flow and he's been absolutely ridiculous, especially in those half spaces. That's where he loves to operate, right? Um, Not quite in the channel, not quite centrally, but picking the ball up and finding a nice little dipping cross into the back post, whether it's Tejon Buchanan 
or Adam Buxa or whoever it may be. He's so good at finding that right seam and that right ball to play into the box is the reason why he has 13 assists. He's the MVP for me so oh, far. For I know sure. we're still yeah. early on. Some folks are, are talking about Chicharito and maybe Raul Ruiz Diaz for the sound. It just, it just doesn't add up for me. Carles Hill is the best player on the best team points wise right now in Major League Soccer. I don't know that the Revs are pound for pound the best team in this league this year. They're up there, certainly. But man, just all the things that he can do so well on the ball. He also moves well off the ball. He's comfortable in so many different spaces, but really does love that right half space. His left foot is is unreal. It's it's stupid good. And and he can use that left foot in open play on the dribble to to thread a through ball or he can do it with set pieces and and play really nice bending well-weighted crosses into the box for Buxa, for a center back to head in, for Bo to collect. He He's unreal. And you're right, Jordan. It is kind of absurd that we haven't talked about him much this year right. because he deserves so much credit. And I, I think has been getting it from a lot of folks, but we should jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. So if you haven't watched him play this season, I would tune into a Reds yeah. game just to watch him operate. Yeah. Okay. That's player okay, who number did I th- one. Who- yeah, who did I did we think we had the same player? So the player I thought you were going to say, and, and this is the guy I'm going to talk about next, is Ricardo Pepe, 18-year-old oh, striker yeah. for FC Dallas. Now I knew you were going to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> he comes off of a hat trick this weekend in Dallas's 4 nothing win over the, over the LA Galaxy. He grabs three goals in that one. Uh, he's, he's just so good. As such a young player, he's 18, like I said already, and he, he's big and he's not quite grown into his body yet. He still looks a little awkward to me when I watch him, but the way he moves and sees space, I, I did a deep dive on Wando earlier this year, just watching all of his movement for, for something I was working on. And, and I did something recently with Pepe to the similar effect, a similar goal. And there's just a lot of, a lot of crossover and how they move and in how every good striker moves really. But the way Pepe finds seams between opposing center backs, the way he finds little spots in the box, the way he holds his runs up to, to stay in a pocket of space to then get on the ball and fire off a shot on goal. He just checks all of the classic number nine boxes for me. Maybe not quite hold up play just yet. Maybe not quite being able to physically move defenders around, but I, I think he'll get there. The fact that right now at 18, he can see space and exploit it. And, and go find it and all that good stuff, man, I, I think either the U.S. or Mexico are going to be getting quite something over the next couple of years. And I think we saw little glimpses of this last year. He scored the goal in against Portland, right, in the playoffs? Yes. Was that his goal? I think so. And it just was so – it's this mixture of, as you just mentioned, intelligence and creativity and running, but also just like grit and determination, yeah. <laughs> which is – I mean, if you're looking for a good front runner, like that's what those are the qualities that you want. So I love that you picked him and I kind of felt like you were going to go to Dallas. We haven't, we haven't chatted much about some of these products that are still turning through Dallas. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, what a, what a weekend for him. It's, it's incredible. Tessman's gone now after we talked about him potentially moving to Venezia. Justin Che and, and Pepe are probably going to be the next couple to go. And you've also got Palma. I mean, it's, it's absurd. They have so much talent 
I'm really looking forward to watching Pepe play more this season. Now that he has finally passed Franco Hara on the depth chart, it took it took a while this season, but mid to late June, he finally becomes that starting nine, and he's earned it. He's been great. He's fifth in the Golden Boot race this year, Jordan, right now. Oh my god! As an 18 year old with eight goals. Oh my gosh! So he's overperforming. That's what that's he, what a hat trick will get you too. It's it pumps true. you up it's a true. little bit. It's bumps true. you up a little bit in the standings there. <laughs> he's overperforming his xG by a healthy amount, which is a little concerning, but he, he's been good. He really has been good, and I'm excited to see more of him. So so that's my first entrant into this conversation. Jordan, who you got yeah, next? I love it. Um, I'm going to stay to Central Ohio. I'm going to go <laughs> with Columbus Crew's own Marlon Harrison. Okay. Tell me why. And I'm going to go with Marlon Harrison because there, there was a lot of chat about the crew and the depth that they acquired over the offseason. And I think the crew have had a, a hard time finding the back of the net in the way that we saw them play last year. But one of the things that they're not doing is they're not giving up goals. They've been good defensively. And in order for this team to have the high flowing, you know, frequency that they have going forward, they need to be solid defensively. And you lose Artur to an injury that he's still not healthy and back yet. You lose Aiden Morris. Perry Kitchen's not available. So who do you put in there? Marlon Harrison. And he did play a little bit of holding midfielder last year when he was in Minnesota. But for most people who are listening to this, know Marlon Harrison as a winger or as a little bit of outside back. At one point, Joe, people were talking about him being the next right back for the U.S. men's national team at times. So one of the things that I feel like has been really good about Mar- Marlon Harrison is he, you wouldn't watch a game at all and think, oh, he he's not that's not his natural position. He has made it look so easy to go in there and sit in that that position next to Darlington Nagby, which I think is a big plus, right? When you have someone that you can always play the ball to and get out with. But he has 93.6% passing percentage. He's connecting the ball. He's covering space. His ability and with his uh, range, I think defensively, has really helped the crew sniff out some potential counterattacks against them. Um, I really just think that what he's been doing centrally for the crew, it's not fancy. It's not, you know, it's not Carlos Hill. It's not Ricardo Pepe. It's not that kind of stuff. It's tried and true holding midfield play and clogging up space, doing the simple things right. And I think Marlon Harrison deserves a pat on the back. I completely agree with you. That's not a name I even would have thought of for this conversation, but he deserves it. Harrison deserves it. Some of his defensive numbers this year, really over the last calendar year, have been phenomenal. He's in the 83rd percentile in terms of MLS central midfielders in tackles over the last year. He is in the 88th percentile in terms of aerials one per 90 over the last year among central midfielders. He completes a lot of passes. He doesn't, he doesn't pass the ball super aggressively, but he can keep up a tempo in possession and then do all those great defensive things that we've talked about. I mean, when you're playing with Nagby and Zellerayan as your other number six, your number eight, and then your 10, it helps to have someone. It's not absolutely necessary, but it helps to have someone who can do some of the dirty defensive work. Artur doesn't do quite as much of that, but what you lose there, you make up for with his work on the ball. And so it is a trade-off. But if you're losing Artur, the trade you make here is is for a little bit more defensive cover. And Hairston right. brings that. Yeah. And it, I, I like it because it has been... 
I think part of this episode, what we wanted to do and what we try to do with these is give you guys people that maybe you wouldn't have thought of. And and maybe you watch crew games and you don't even notice him. And I think that that's what this position sometimes gives you is just a player you you don't really notice. And they do all the small things right, so it looks easier for people around him. And I think Marlon Harrison has done that. So um, it felt right to give him a little pat on the back. I love that, Jordan. I love it. It feels <laughs> fitting. The next player on my list is also somebody who I, I'm not sure we've ever talked about on this show. Um, he's definitely more on the under-the-radar track. It's the Chicago Fire's Boris Sekulich. Ooh. So he's okay. there. He's their right back and more recently a right wing back as Rafael Vicky and the Fire have shifted more to a 3-4-3 or a couple different alignments, but, but playing with three center backs. Sekulich is... I think the latest inductee into our Julian Gressel crossing hall of fame. And so now off the top of my head, we've got Julian Gressel in there. We've got Zan Kolmanich for mm. Austin FC, the left back there, who mm-hmm. I, I just absolutely love. And I know you do too. I think you brought him up the last time we did this show. So I got yeah. give credit to you on that. Sekulich is, is just so good with how he puts his foot around the ball and bends it into the box. He is He's kind of the classic fire player because he's not an exceptional defender. Like he'll have moments of defensive lapses that have hurt the fire, but he's not alone in that fact. So I don't even want to ding him too much for that stuff. But when he has the ball at his feet, he can whip a ball into the box. Against Toronto FC, Chicago lose 2-1 to one this past weekend, even though they, they heavily outplayed Toronto. They were the much better team in that game. Uh, on, on the right side for the fire. Seklich consistently got forward and whipped in balls into the box. He played a couple nice through balls as well. He, he cut inside and even crossed it in with his left a few times. He had six key passes in that game. Six key passes, passes leading to a shot, directly to a shot. That's a ton for an outside defender. Just just the work he puts in on that side, especially when you have Robert Barich roaming the box, who's a classic number nine, really good at finding space, loves to finish inside the 18, inside the six if possible. Having somebody like Seklich who can provide service into the box for Barrich and, and for Alaseda and whoever. I just, I really enjoyed watching Sekulich this past week and it prompted me to go back and watch more. And he's just, he's a fun player. And I think that, gosh, Chicago, it just, <laughs> there's so many pieces there, right? Yep. That seem like they're going to work out. And I think Sekulich is one of those. And he's enjoyable to watch play. And it just, gosh, I think this is a whole nother podcast to itself, but I just don't understand why it doesn't work, why it's not quite panning out for them, because you thought that it would have been just a time under Rafael Vicky's system. But gosh, it's kind of it's kind of painful. It, it is painful, and the numbers make it more painful, but I'm going to share it anyway. The okay. Fire right now are seventh in all of Major League Soccer in terms of expected goals. A few of the teams that are, are just above them, LAFC. NYCFC, New England, Sporting Kansas City, and then you also have DC. Oh my and gosh. Nashville. I mean, it's, it's a strong <laughs> contingent of yeah. teams. And they're ahead of Seattle. They're ahead of Orlando and Philly and the Galaxy and, and a whole host of other teams. And yet they still give up a lot of quality chances and they still haven't been able to convert their own chances at, at quite the rate that you need. They only have 15 goals. So they're, they're just not hitting their chances on frame yet. They're not converting those chances and it, it hurts if you're the fire. Because you're right, Jordan, they have so many great pieces and, and Sekulich is not even, Sekulich isn't even the, the best or most interesting one, I think, right. that we've seen. But he's just another, another piece there. But I think that that's the point, too, and that you're making and that I'm trying to make as well is he fits with the players around him. Like there's some players around him that all those qualities that you just described would fit in and make it work. 
and yeah. it's just not quite working. I wonder, like, what's it like to go to work today for the fire, just or any day for the fire? You know how much talent you have, and yet it just feels like week in and week out. I mean, the the, the goal they give up this past weekend against Toronto, the first one is they're trying to play out of pressure in in the back and they turn the ball over to Toronto's high press and they get scored on. It's just, that's that's not even the worst mistake. That happens to teams, right? But it just feels like that happens to Chicago way more than it happens to anybody else. And I don't, like you said, I don't understand why. And I just feel for the people that are in that organization because they're just in this incredible, super weird funk that yeah. they can't seem to It would be one of. thing if the, the front runners and the attacking players were scoring a lot of goals. Yeah. Then they could be mad at the defenders for <laughs> messing that up. But it's like, at this point, I don't know if you can. Uh, yeah, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. But hey, there's time, uh, Chicago. There's time. Uh, um, okay. Oh gosh. I feel like I don't know where to go on this one, but I want, I feel like there is, there's two players in Nashville and I feel like I want to talk about both of them. Okay. We might have some overlap here as well. Go on. Okay. Who, um, okay. I'm going to just name the two players and you tell me if you have okay. them as well. Okay. One of them is Daniel Lovitz. Okay. And the other one is CJ Sapong. <laughs> nope. Over oh, two. I've got a third yeah. Nashville player. <laughs> so, oh gosh. We're going heavy in Nashville. Um, okay, I'll go CJ Sapong first because I feel like it's going to be pretty brief. I just feel like this has been almost like a reawakening for CJ Sapong. He's come to Nashville and this year he's not asked to do that much. He has in this new formation that they're playing recently, which looks more like a 3-4-3 or even a 3-4-2-1 with Mukhtar and Randall Leal underneath Sapong. All he has to really do is connect it to one of those two players and then find himself into the box. So in the, they're not asking a lot of him in the middle of the field, which I think is nice. That's not where he makes his money. He makes his money in front of the goal. So that combination and the way that they use their players with the setup has allowed him to get himself in the box more to be in more goal scoring situations and to be more threatening in goal scoring situations. Um, Nashville looks so in themselves reinvigorated and going forward with a little bit, um, you know, built on their defensive ability and their foundation, which we talked about a lot last year, but this year they're showing how they can use that and then build the next level, which is, some different looking attacks and um, a lot of them still in, in quick break situations, but I think it, it has looked well, good for them. I I'm with you 100%. I think the reason why I, I wanted to talk about Nashville is Randall Leal, but I really just wanted to yeah. talk about Leal as an excuse to talk about what he and Sapong and Mukhtar are doing. Now, yeah. I, I think actually this, this Nashville shape, or at least over the last couple of games in possession has been almost a three, five, two. And it is semantics, right? It doesn't, it doesn't really okay. matter a whole lot. Yeah. But it's Leal as the right central midfielder, McCarty as the left central midfielder in front of that number six in midfield for them. The name's escaping me and I feel really bad. Is a good player. Um, Anunga. Anunga. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. It's, it's those three players as a central midfield trio. And it's Leal just doing a job that I don't think he's ever done in his career. Certainly in Major League Soccer, I don't think he's done. But he's he's certainly the more attacking-minded vertical player relative to McCarty. And so it has this balance in midfield that works well with Anunga holding play a bit more and covering ground. And McCarty getting on the ball and playmaking some from deeper areas. And then Leal stretching the line and getting on the ball and driving forward on the dribble. And then you add that with Sapong. 
and you add that with Mukhtar, and it, it's working right now for Nashville. They, they beat Cincinnati 3-0 over the weekend, and all three of the goals come from some combination of the front three working together. And it's so much fun to watch right now, and yes, it's Cincinnati, so I don't want to put too much weight into that. But it is, it's a fun trio, and Sapong's a big part of that. Mukhtar's looking comfortable as part of a front two and then dropping down in a midfield. Leal's looking comfortable and doing the defensive work that he needs to do in that midfield trio to make it work. I, I like it. And I wouldn't have expected this wrinkle from Gary Smith, but it, it's been fun and it's working out. Yeah, or even one of the little adaptations they had when they played Columbus is Dax actually sat in between yeah, Romney and Anibaba. Yeah. So those those were the three center backs and Dax McCarty didn't have to do much attacking wise and they just said we're going to be solid defensively and we're going to have a couple of chances on the break. But even when the crew gave them, I think that's the next evolution of Nashville is when they are given possession, can they break people down in through possession? And they're just not quite there yet, but well, they don't really need to be right now because they're breaking everybody down through transition. And that seems to be working that for them. Um, Daniel Levitz hasn't played in the last couple of games. I believe he was in health and safety protocols. So, but he has, you mentioned key passes before, and this is without, this is without him playing in two games. So when, when I had this stat just a couple games ago for the crew, he was fourth in MLS for key passes. Yeah. A left back. And they did play with the true four back for a while in the season, then shifted uh, with Walker Zimmerman going to uh, national team camp. So he's played both left back and he still got forward. And then he's playing in this wing back position and he plays it really interesting because there is this combination. You mentioned those two players or one player playing underneath uh, CJ Sapong. Well, when Lovitz would get the ball centrally in the middle third, he would a lot of the time, what I saw a pattern when I was watching, dribble inside. And so it would allow this like big scoping run, big button hook run from Mukhtar from the inside out. So it's like, does the person with Mokhtar then leave him and let him go in the channel, let one of the center backs chase him. It just caused confusion. And I think that's one of the reasons why he was so successful is because he could read these different, okay, do I need to be a little bit more internal and eat up that internal space, that half space, or do I need to be wide and get to the end line and have a successful cross? Because I mean, if you have 31 key passes and you're an outside back, you're doing something right. So I think um, that's a lot of Nashville talk. But I do think with his entrance back in the to the team, this is only going to get better for Nashville. And they are flying right now. They're scary. I don't want to play yeah. Nashville if I'm another team in the league right now. Right? The, the ability they have to threaten in transition. I mean, they just bring in another player. They just brought in another player. I'm from Monterey as a designated player in Ake Lobo, Loba. Shoot. I'm, I'm, I'm not excelling with my names today on this show, but <laughs> yeah. they have, they have talent. Lovitz is another piece of that. He's been phenomenal and he gets so much flack for really being a part of the early Greg Berhalter national team days where he just really wasn't maybe quite up to the level and he kept getting minutes. And I think that really frustrated folks, myself included at times, but he's, he's a phenomenal major league soccer left back and, and deserves credit for the role that he's played with Nashville this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Is that all that we have? I've got one more. You've got one more. Okay. Okay. Give us one more. This is, this is somewhere between the Carles Heel and Marlon Harrison scale. If Marlon Harrison's on one end and Carles (laughs) Heel's on the other, this is closer to the heel end, but it's Keaton Parks. He's a player that everybody knows. People talk about him. He's just so good. And he doesn't get talked about at the level I feel like he should. And all this is so theoretical. So maybe I'm just full of it, but 
he is, in my mind, one of the best central midfielders in Major League Soccer. Period. He's not just a good player doing some good. No, he is. He's phenomenal. He's an excellent ball progressor. He's exceptional on the dribble, driving through midfield, which is a skill that I think is kind of underrated among central midfielders now. He'll, he'll slalom through midfield. He only has one cap with the U.S. men's national team, and that was back in 2018 against Bolivia. And I think there's something weird going on with NYCFC and their willingness to have players go out for international duty. And that's something that I'm not equipped to tackle from a journalistic standpoint. But Keaton Parks had this moment. And this is really why I, I thought about all this and, and came up with this rant. He has this moment in NYCFC's 5 nothing win over Orlando City on Sunday. It's the 14th minute. Tinnerholm throws the ball into Parks on the near side. They combine a little bit, which Parks loves to do. Parks gets the ball back from Tinnerholm and has one Orlando player directly in front of him and one right behind him. That's not a problem for Keaton Parks. It's a problem for me if I'm playing soccer. It's a real problem for me. But Keaton Parks, (laughs) maybe Keaton Parks turns out of that pressure. He beats both of them, then steps forward, combines with Tajuri Shradi on the right side for NYCFC, gets the ball back, then drives forward out of midfield. Forward, 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 then plays a cross, a well-weighted cross to the back post, and it ends up finding Maxi Morales, which is a slight knock on this whole sequence because he's not going to really do much in the air. But everything, everything before the last moment for Keaton Parks is just so stupidly good. And he does this kind of stuff every single game. He is an anchor for NYCFC. He's a ball progress. He just does Everything with the ball you could want so well. Not the most defensively mobile player, but in, in terms of attacking central midfielders in this league, number eights, he's, he's right up there with the best of the best. I, I struggle to think of many players who are better than Keaton Parks at a lot of the things I just mentioned. I, I just wanted to give him some love, Jordan. No, I think you should. And because the city play, man. I don't even know how to describe how they play. So maybe we should break down their game specifically. (laughs) They have so many different intricate signals that they have with one another that they move off of each other's shoulders. One player pops into one space. The other one's always getting in behind. If it's Castellanos holding the ball up, he has people underneath him. He has people running beyond him. So there's always this up, back, and through little combination. And I do think that that is where a player like Keaton Parks, thrives, right? When there's decisions and intricate passing. But as you said, he could turn the intricate passing in a second into slaloming, dribbling as well. So fake you into thinking he's going to pass and then shimmy right by you. Um, I think that's a good shout and someone that... um I know he gets talked about in New York, but I think James Sands, rightfully so, gets talked about a lot. Sure. Um, but I think that that's a good, good one to be... To point out, and man, that's another team that is just scary. Scary. That's you know at the beginning of the season, people were talking that New York City was going to be the best team in the East, and they are showing some moments where you're thinking, "Wow, this really could be the best soccer team." Yeah, and they're not some of the stuff they do. They're not even fully healthy yet. They're sixth in the East, but they are they're playing way better than that. I think everybody who's watched them would agree. Jordan, we should do a, a coaches one of these at some point. We've just crossed over from content to like planning more content. Ooh. But just because, and, and we can maybe talk more about Ronnie Dyla at some point down the line. Yeah. I just think he doesn't, again, all very theoretical. Maybe this is not true. I just never hear anything about Ronnie Dyla. And, and maybe that's because it's Patrick Vieira, then it's Dome Torrent, who has all this exciting buzz around him. And it was an excellent coach for NYCFC. 
And then it's Ronnie Dyla, this Scandinavian guy who's coaching Celtic. And it just isn't, it doesn't hit the same for a lot of people, yeah. myself included. Yeah. But he's done a phenomenal job. He NYCFC really have consistently been so, so good in the Eastern Conference under him. And I, I think he deserves a lot of credit, just like a few other coaches that maybe we'll talk about on a future episode. <laughs> there you go. There's a tease. There's the tease. Jordan, this was tons of fun. Thank you, as always, for joining me, for talking soccer, and for uh, talking about some players that we think need a little bit more credit or we just wanted to talk about because we like talking yeah. about soccer. Of course, Joe. You know <laughs> I love to do that. Thanks for having me. Listeners, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll be back again soon.